8: Tweezers. Tweezers. Ham sandwich. Ham what? Sandwich. I was going to eat lunch when I got my oil changed earlier, but Take Five is so fast I didn't have time. But sir, you can't eat during surgery. Eh, one bite won't hurt. Mm. Whoops. Uh,
7: Napkin. Napkin! At Take Five, your oil change is faster than you think. Take Five, the stay-in-your-car, 10-minute oil change. This is Dilk Kennedy This is Clayton
2: Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM, Columbia.
9: Pop every time when I hear our alma mater, which we just played here at tclub.team before beginning the show today. And, and I got to tell you, I, I, I pop every time. I pop every, every single time that I hear it. So, good, good. Great Wednesday to you. It's only a day away. It is only a day away. The uh, Florida game with Utah is going to be really interesting. In the beginning of the college football weekend, Dr. Sean Sinclair, Quaypasa Migo, my brother, how you doing?
10: Que Paso to you this morning, Tony B.
9: Are we pumped right now? Are we fired up, fokey, and prepared? Folky Co. Medina. I'm very
2: pumped.
9: Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, And tomorrow night's going to be so interesting to see what Florida has. And we're going to visit with Kevin Kevin Brockaway, one of our old friends, will be on with us here in a little bit to kind of set the scene and what Florida has going for themselves. Virginia just doesn't have much going for itself at all. Chico Bennett, their best, probably defensive player, best pass rusher, pretty good player, great football name. Sean, there's something about the name Chico Bennett. You know that dude can play. You you go through life known as Chico Bennett. You can play some football.
10: Well, one of my favorite shows growing up was Chico and the man, so there you go.
9: But I don't think Chico with the man played, uh, I don't think he played football. Maybe Spell will call in little later on but um i don't know so we have a lot to get to today brian how you doing this uh on this glory
11: day my friend happy wednesday time and sean i'm three of, days away robert Meachum, number of days away from kickoff bob meacham it's gonna be a
9: lot of fun guys we're gonna be down uh friday Rice fans, Rice fans, right? We're going to be uh, Friday down at Calhoun's on the River, beginning our run of shows there, which uh, should be a lot of fun for one, come one, come all. Uh, that'll be a great time to be had by us. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to find out some stuff. Richard G. West, Brian, claims another. My friends at Zen Sports got, uh, got got by Richard G. West yesterday. It just looks so legitimate, the stuff Richard G. West puts out there. He's, he's just a great troll account. For, for like six months, he was one of Bino's news sources.
11: Yeah, he, he claims victims. He's going to continue to claim victims as long as there's a platform, whether it be Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Yes.
9: Cause it just looks, and he's a perfect example of how like the misinformation kind of spreads around. Cause it looks so legit, and he had pictures of the Titan Stadium yesterday, basically breaking in half. I mean, where he comes up with his stuff is just Richard. I I I don't know, man. Caduce to you, brah. I, I don't know what to say other than kadoos to you, my man. Cinco, what's your excitement level for this weekend?
10: That's pretty high. Um, I, I understand the uh, game is a sellout now. Uh, whether all the fannies are in the seats, I don't know. But I think that's a big accomplishment, and it's got to be driven by UT fans. So if you've got to play a game outside of Neyland, that may be the second best thing. Middle Tennessee is just ever-expanding uh, location. And so, um, hey, if it's not ideal, make the best of it.
9: W. Lynn had a number that the Tennessee that you and I... Are you going, Cinco? The the Tennessee that you and I came to, guys, um, Sean, particularly us, we had that game with Memphis, or a game in Memphis, from 1965 to 1985. I think the number in 21 years, I think they played down there 18 times. Now, obviously... Obviously, college football being what it is there's so much more money in home games now than there used to be and so you're not going to play with that type of frequency in a in another venue however when the Titans build that huge spaceship of a stadium that state of the art stadium one wonders if Tennessee makes it a um, I'm not going to say a annual thing but maybe a semi-annual thing because that area continues to grow that area continues to become an important spot to put a beach at especially with the league becoming a super league and when you think about how down through the years the ohio states of the world have gone in there and have plucked out um uh, you know key players it might be worth Tennessee thinking about putting a sort of a beachhead down there. And and when the Titans get that new stadium establishing some kind of semi-annual presence, Sean, even though I'm kind of not for that, but it certainly seems like a discussion worth having.
10: Well, it's quickly becoming like Atlanta in that um, it's growing exponentially because of people from out of the region. So, you're, you're just like Atlanta is not really a stronghold for UGA. It's more transient and uh, people come in with their established loyalties. It can't hurt to be a presence there. Now, I would, I would suggest we don't take away a game from here uh, to go there. But I do think that uh, if you can work out a, a neutral site game instead of an away game, why not?
9: Yeah, like this thing here. This was going to be a game at BYU. They paid $2 million to get out of it, which, you know, that's kind of lost on some people. Like I was talking to George Plaster about that yesterday on his program. Tennessee's had two of these uh, instances. One of them they chose to go that route. Personally, Sean, well, I mean, we could ask today, the living listener, if they had their way, would you rather be opening the season with BYU or opening the season with – that poor, helpless Virginia program done in Nashville. You know, obviously, the BYU game would be more compelling. Um, I don't know that that would be the best way with Tennessee's issues to start the year, though, Sean. I mean, I don't know, one way or another. Uh, What do you guys think? If you had your way, we're just spitballing here, sitting around the, the water cooler. If you guys had your way, would we be starting the season at BYU? Or would you play uh, this week uh, against a lesser opponent down in Nashville?
10: I think um, I like the way it is. I I don't know that I would have bought the game out to get this game. uh, But I I understand why they might have done that. Uh, Breaking in a new quarterback, uh, some other new faces in there. You didn't know Cooper Mays would be hurt when you took this game, so that's kind of irrelevant. But I like the way it is. Another an opportunity for Vol fans uh, to have a close interaction with their home team. Uh, I like this. Uh, you're not going to get 50,000 people to go out to uh, Utah to see BYU. And at one time, I thought that going out there might stoke the flames on adding more poly kind of kids. Yeah. Uh, to the recruiting, but you know that's the i'm not sure that's the case uh the, most of those kids will be watching it on t v they can watch you on t v anyway so um i I'm, I'm with the way things have turned out i'm happy with the result
9: is BYU like the Polynesian Notre Dame Sean is that kind of that's always been my sense when you look at their roster down through the years
10: well you know that was a uh there was a vacuum for missions at one time, and the Mormon church, the LDS church, took it upon themselves to spread Christianity down there uh, throughout the Polynesian country, Tonga, and a lot of those. And so, um, you know, I celebrate that. Anytime someone's going to spread the good news, I I, I celebrate that. So perhaps it is like a uh, a Notre Dame, but the University of Utah, uh, you know, all throughout the West Coast, brings in those players but yeah i think it is i think it's interesting that i think what's more interesting is that a lot of those kids still take missions and uh, in this day and time show me another school that kids will take out two years of a potential pro contract to go spread the word that's uh, that in my opinion that should be celebrated
9: Brian, would we be playing that game tour up to you or would you or are you glad we're now that we're here with the the games in Nashville? They
11: play so many games in Nashville. I, I think I would like to do something different and give the fan base that go, give those people a chance to do something different and have a different experience than just going down to Nashville, no offense. I would rather play I think just the, the storylines, we'd be having a much more interesting Lead in if it were at BYU as opposed to a what they've got. So, yeah. I mean, let's just be real about yep. it. This game, I'd rather. Yeah. I'd rather. I'd rather do the BYU thing, but I think I may not be in the minority or majority. I don't know. I, I don't
9: know. I, you know, I, look, I think it's a, always a good thing for your fans to get an opp- another opportunity to see you play. Uh, at the same time, though, the the level of competition, and this is a real credit. And a compliment to what everybody at Tennessee's done in a short amount of time, because you know what? A couple of years ago, this would have been a this would have been a compelling football game, because that's kind of where Tennessee was a couple of years, at least expectation-wise. Now they were better than that, but expectation-wise, this is sort of what we were thinking Tennessee was going to be. But let's do this. We'll uh, we'll come back on the other side. Eight six five. Two hundred five four zero two. 5402 uh, I think it would have been fun to play at BYU. I think that would have been a kind of a neat experience. But uh, and, and we're getting to a point now in college football where everything is so homogenized and a lot of same old, same old, which is why they had to move off this playoff system. It's why they had to expand the playoff. Too much same old, same old uh, in the sport. It's one of the reasons why I'm kind of forward. The clock rules. Um, because it's going to provide perhaps an avenue for some variety uh, in some of these games. In the meantime, um, Kevin Brockway is going to join us. We've got a lot to get into, a little time to get there. We're going to have us a good time today on the program, a great time to be had by all. This is going to be... So fun. By the way, uh Chico Bennett's father, Sean, did he play at Tennessee? X is telling me that. Uh what's his name? Chico Bennett. I don't know. Let's no, look it the, up. The Let's look it up. Let's look that up. Because if you're surely wasn't,
10: surely wasn't David Bennett.
9: Chico Bennett Dad. Oops. Chico Bennett father. Uh if your uh name is Chico Bennett You can ball. Uh, Let's see here. I don't care what the sport is. You can ball. His father, Chico, played at Hawaii. Thank you, Axie. His um, mother, Marcy, played at Texas State. His uncle, Leon, played at Tennessee State. And Leon Bennett went on and played in the NFL. So there you have it. little Chico Bennett activity for you there. Uh, in the mean, But you know, when a guy's named Chico Bennett, he can play, and he's going to miss this game. So when it rains, it pours. He underwent a procedure. When it rains, it pours on that poor Virginia program. Uh, we do have a lot to get into today. Very little time to get there. Uh, Clay Seegers texted me and said he, he went to BYU back in early May. He said that was a really, really beautiful place. Not to be a contrarian here, I, I would lean toward Brian and, and say that if I have my way, Tennessee be opening uh, the season out there. However, with the maze injury, the uncertainty, all that good stuff, walking into a hornet's nest, having gotten beaten by him uh, three seasons ago, I, I'm not so sure. I'm not glad that – and Beano's going to call me a white flagger like they all do, but I'm not so sure that the right thing here – wasn't to get out of that deal because the head coach and the AD wanted to get out of it, and that's what they did. And uh, there you have it. So, and the Virginia game—it's just a formality of what the score is going to be. Tennessee is Tennessee in no way, shape, or form uh, is in danger of losing that game. But if you have a thought on that, eight six five two hundred five four zero two, and then I'm going to ask you later on. What your level of excitement is for this year from a one-to-five scale? One, not really. Five, very excited. I am so excited for this year. I'm excited for this year here, and I'm excited for this year across the league, and I'm excited for the year nationally, like I haven't been in a long time. And maybe we can elaborate on some of the reasons why as we go along today. I'm really excited for tomorrow night's for some reason for tomorrow night's Florida game I want to get a look at them I want to get a look at this Mertz guy I want to see if they're really that pedestrian and that punchless or if they surprise us and they're pretty good it's just very intriguing to me we'll come back and we'll do this and with you on the other side after this
12: this is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. t Willy, and you're listening to 101.7 FM, WKOM, Columbia,
2: Tennessee. Alert, alert!
1: It's me, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. July reminds me of red, white, and blue. If you were born in July, your birthstone is the ruby. King of the precious stones, for its rarity, hardness, second only to diamonds. We have a beautiful collection from earrings to rings, modern, and antique. If you were born in July, we'll take 10% off your purchase. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram.
6: Automobile Keys is a local, family-owned and operated car key programming business. Whether you need a smart key, switchblade key, key fob, transponder key, or just a basic car key replacement, we're your best choice for affordable, programmable replacement keys in minutes. Give us a call at 615-878-9087 or visit our website at AutomobileKeys.com. You can email us at C-O-D-Y at AutomobileKeys.com. Automobile Keys is a proud sponsor of Whitthorn Middle School Football. Come by our van out front after the game and say hello. Go Tigers! Are you ready for some good old family fun? Don't miss the Murray County Fair. Coming back to Murray County Park from August 31st to September 4th. Finish the summer with an extra special time at the Murray County Fair. You'll find a free kids zone. The Jump and Run events will pay $12,000 in prizes, rodeo air, livestock shows, and much more. It's all the things you love, all together at the Murray County Fair. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Murray County Fair and Expo to check out all the events. We'll see you at the fair from August 31st to September 4th.
8: You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other. At a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR playoffs weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. This is Jim Ross, and you are listening to Front Porch
3: Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in
9: Columbia, Tennessee. TB back with you. TriStar wants to speak here on Twitter Spaces. If you want to jump in, your level of excitement on the season on a 1-5 to scale. I'm not only excited about the year here, but I'm excited across the board. I will say this, college football is always a great game. Any game is a better game. Any sport is a better sport when your team is good to pretty good. Like right now, my Phillies are, shall we say, smoking hot, and they're surging right now, and that's made baseball very fun to me. College football, even when the Vols were struggling along and slogging along, was always good and always interesting. But when you're vying to be at the top, or you're not an eyesore. And, and Tennessee is pretty darn good right now. I don't know if they're among the pantheons of the sport just yet, but they're pretty darn good. Uh, it makes the game extremely fun and extremely interesting. Let's go to Twitter Spaces, uh, more spaces and more places, and let's get uh, TriStar in here. As I remind you, if you want to see the show, make the switch to Twitch. Make the switch to Twitch, Tony Basilio show over on Twitch. Let's go back to our uh, Twitter Spaces and we'll bring the TriStar in here. TriStar, welcome in. Oh, uh, what's going on, Tony
0: Basilio?
14: How you doing this morning? Good. Great to talk to you. Oh no! Uh, you said give a one to five. I'd give it a ninety-eight. No pun intended.
9: So you're pumped right now
14: oh absolutely um and the things i'm hearing out of knox right now is that um our front seven on defense is going to be pretty nasty in a good way
9: <laughs> sean when's the last time we would uh say something like that around these parts that our front seven a long time how about it Cinco and brian when's the last time you think we said that in a preseason and i hear that is the case i hear I'm open to the possibility that part of Tennessee's offensive line struggles in the preseason has been that that front seven's just that good. Uh, Sean, that is a pretty good problem
10: to have, isn't it? It's a very good problem to have. You uh,
14: Absolutely.
10: You can outscore most people, but you're still going to win championships with defense. As
11: the dogs have proven, yeah, TriStar, you've got to get people off the field, man. They won't. They won't see a front seven like that when they face most of their opponents. No Except d- for Georgia.
9: No doubt, Bri. No doubt.
14: Uh, absolutely. And so I feel like another position group is well being kind of underlooked. And think about this. Us and LSU are the only two teams in the SEC to have this, and that's two on the do- on the dope watch list.
9: Two running backs, yeah sean what's your favorite underrated position group on the team uh his is uh, his is the running back position what what is your reply to that as you look at our roster
10: you know we talked about uh a couple months ago uh you uh i guess i had a conversation with lee uh you you turned it a disagreement but i thought that the numbers may be down but that the the uh, effectiveness might be up in the fact that the running backs would be better, and, and mentioned that I thought Jalen Wright would have a would have a big year. Having said that, I don't want to steal uh, his comment, so I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with tight end. I I've always been a fan of Jacob Warren. thought that thought that we could get more out of him, but uh, more and more I I keep hearing about uh, McAllen Castle. McAllen Castles. Yep, and, and 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 look, I'm not I'm not here to suggest anyone's, uh, you know, the Brock kid out of whatever his name is down in Georgia. Uh, but I do believe Rob that, Bowers. yeah, I do believe that we have two guys now that are mismatch problems. And then when you throw out the other guys, then when you throw out Cam Seldon, um, there always should be a a dump off for Joe Milton, so he doesn't have to make the heroic throw every time. I think there will always be somebody as a safety net open. So I'm
9: going oh, to tie absolutely. in.
14: Absolutely.
10: What do you think
9: there, TriStar?
14: Um, well, I, I, I agree with that, and I'll make this point, too. I'm kind of laughing at how all these major media opponents are all picking Alabama to win the national championship, oh and I'm gosh. like, what are you seeing?
9: Oh, my gosh, man.
14: I mean, yeah, I think they're going to be pretty good at running back, but they got quarterback questions. Their wide receivers. I have to see if they still have butterfingers. Yep. Um, they're counting on a true freshman free safety, and they have questions on their defensive line. So I'm not seeing it. Honestly, I think we go down there and beat them.
9: Uh, yesterday, uh, Danger Dan Harrelson came on here, and he's got a—he's kind of a background there. And he believes like you believe that Tennessee's going to go down there and win. Now I don't know if I'm ready to say that, but uh, I absolutely am. I, I don't think Alabama's winning a national championship. This talk about you know Phil Steele, when I had him on, I said, "Phil, you got these power ratings for everybody else, and you adhere to these power why would you pick Alabama?" To, to win something and he said nick saban and i'm like wait a second here you're the power rating guy don't you guys feed stuff into your system and well yeah for everybody but him i said phil they don't have a and quarterback last
14: We forget yeah
9: I, I tell him phil they don't have a quarterback you know what he says oh they'll figure it out i'm like what does he have a magic wand what do you mean he's gonna figure it out
14: what I'm does that even mean like this with alabama man. yeah you look at their whole situation week two against texas i think texas gets them i just think that right now they got too many question marks definitely with their quarterback and they're going to be extremely one-dimensional in my opinion you know them trying to go back to this murder ball or whatever they're trying to do and i think especially when they play tennessee and lsu that's going to play into both teams defensive strengths and I just think it's absolutely insane and I'll, I just laugh at the fact that they overlook Georgia. Who's up one at the last two years?
9: Sean, certainly Georgia has a better football team on paper and it's really not even close than that Alabama bunch, right? I mean surely
10: Well I don't know. I, um, you take a look uh, uh, I think the quarterback situations at both are are pretty unproven uh, for for long stretches. Um, I think um Alabama still has talent, there's no question about it. Uh the argument would be made that Georgia has more, uh, certainly. But you know, with with the thought of going down to Alabama, I, I I I maybe I'm just too old, but I to me the game you want to get away is at Florida. That's right. That's that's I mean I people are just dismissing that game as going down there and a win. I've, i for the past 30 years, I've seen so many kooky things yep. where we have been a much more dominant team and come out with an L, especially down there. So, uh, hey, you know, hey, old man, you know, you know, don't don't uh, rain on our parade. I get that. Uh, but down in Gainesville, I've seen too many things have happened. So that's. That's the one I want to focus on and then worry about Alabama that way. And I've been getting Sean
9: just absolutely drugged and attacked by people uh, for not popping enough, but that's a, that game's a concern of mine when I think of the status of Cooper Mays. It just is. I, I want to see, I mean, it really Saturday and, and the next couple weeks are really two important dress rehearsals for that offensive line.
10: Well, the, the thing is when you go on the road, what do you have to have? You have to have defense. With all res- due respect to the caller, okay, they're they're nasty. Well, they haven't been nasty in twenty years, fifteen years on on defense for Tennessee. We've been okay here and there, but we've never been nasty. So you got to have that. You have a brand new quarterback. You know, I, I, again, he played okay at Vanderbilt, and he had some big plays at Clemson. He left he left a lot of plays at Clemson. Uh, that he could have made as well. You're not allowed to say that. Well, I just did, and i again. So I know, I'm gonna, but you're I'm not gonna allowed. He, gonna People are going to hate. not he can or can't do it. But right. He, he's not proven. So you're you're you taking. And then not only that, except for D. Williams, you have nothing proven at all in special teams. Cinco, there's a show
9: in town that the other day said that he's going to be one of the top ten picks in the draft. Joe Who's Milton. That, Milton. Now listen. I hope that
10: happens, but
9: I will sell that. I mean, I hope the heck that happens. I'll, 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 I'll take him having a good.
10: you want to put on that, and I'll take. I'll take. I'll take him having a
9: good solid year as a college quarterback. How about that? But TriStar, Go well, ahead, my friend. Finish up for us.
14: Um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You know, because of his experience at Michigan and when he first got here, but I. I think he's going to have a breakout year this year. I have I hope you're right. Well, you've got everybody breaking out, so I'm for that. And I'm for that. And, and again, I, I'm not saying we're going to go out here and win the SEC or win a national title, but I think we keep going for, off of what we did last year, and that's what I'll leave off of, and I'll let everybody else come in here, and you all have a good day. Thank you, brother. Good talking to you. Hopium runs wild, Tony B. Uh,
10: yeah, I Yeah, I'm for it, man. And, again, I'm not saying, I, I have never said he couldn't do it. I just said, right. I said consistently that he hasn't done it yet.
9: Well, and that, you know, I don't want to belabor this, but that bowl game thing is really interesting because people act like, Sean, he threw for 700 yards in that bowl game, and we scored every time we got the ball. And it was a no. one-score game no. later on. Because we left a lot of plays. Look, I'm not picking at him. John Adams had this, had, and and John's, you know, he's babyface now and all that, and I get it, and you know, pandering John, as we as Brian uh, labeled him a couple weeks ago. Who, by the way, Brian Thursday goes into the Knoxville Sports Hall of Fame. So, congratulations! Congratulations to, to John, John Adams. Adams. And I will be there for those festivities to aunt when John Adams is honored.
10: Well, I, th- I think another thing, and like, we were not lucky to win the game. Uh, yeah. Tennessee deserved it; much better team. Uh, I'm. I'd like to see another. I don't know if I'll see another time in my life where one of our opponents messes up four consecutive field goal attempts. that, yes. was, that, that was crazy. Crazy.
13: That's the
9: kind of stuff you see in ball games. That's just the way it is. Again, we weren't
10: lucky. Tennessee deserved it. Oh, no. Josh, uh, I mean, uh, Joe Belton played a very nice game. Yes. It wasn't a perfect game by any stretch.
9: Yes. I saw where, and Kevin Brockaway is going to join us for your Gainesville son, I saw where some sicko in Alabama, you you, you had mentioned Alabama, Um. I love their media because you talk about a cat that is bored. A guy named Matt Stahl, S-T-A-H-L. I, can you make this up, Brian? Now, we've dealt an interface with some pretty sick individuals on here in the past, Mike Hugen and being one of them on Fridays, who called last week's card a B-plus and was like jumping out of his skin over last week's college card. Matt Stahl says, yes, Nick Saban's been smiling more during this year's Alabama football preseason camp, significantly more, actually. Listen to this. Now, I I wish I could make this up. The Crimson Tide head coach has spent 3.42% of his total preseason press conferences smiling in 2023. That's more than double the percentage from any year from 2017 onward. This guy went, back and counted, looking at the early press conferences, the amount of Nick Saban's smiles. Now, I've heard of some preposterous board media experiment kind of things in my past. Counting the smiles of a head coach, I mean, what? what's next? How many, like, I don't know. Times in his uh, in his void, um, he uh, was orange, yellow, uh, peanuts, plain. Well, I mean, what are they doing here, Brian? That's
11: weird, but that's
9: really weird, Brian. That's weird, but <laughs> you know, um that speaks to something
11: else. The hypothesis well, is that Saban's me. smile
9: frequency and length during preseason camp is correlated to success or failure for that Alabama team. These people are literally doing this, Sean. What does it say to you, Sean, when you when you hear it, think about something like this?
10: Well, I think you're totally missing the boat on this. I mean, oh. you'd, you'd be smiling, too, if you finally got that Butch Jones stank out of your program. You hey, yeah. haven't done anything in a couple of years. Now that on year three of him moving on, it's reason to smile big if you're in Tuscaloosa
9: al.com's Crimson Tide YouTube channel included most of Saban's press conferences dating back to the 2016 season. 2016 availabilities were omitted from the experiment because starting in 2017, the data is available. And a data set with two national titles, 2017 and 2022, college football playoff championship losses, and two seasons without a playoff bid, 2019 and 2022. This guy went back and watched all the videos observed with a stopwatch on an Apple i13 Mini in hand. I mean, there's Bored, and then there's this dude. This guy might be the biggest degenerate of all time. But in case you're wondering, in 2017, Nick Saban smiled a total of six times. In one hour and 49 minutes and 55 seconds. I think this guy's serious, Sean. Do you really think this guy did this, or is he just kidding? Is he gaslighting the world here?
10: There can't be much more to do down there than this. So, yeah, I think it's probably pretty accurate. So. I, before 2018, Sabin smiled five
9: times in the preseason. Imagine being Nick Saban and smiling five times while you're in front of the camera, one hour, 26 minutes, and 51 seconds, and you crack five smiles.
10: You know, maybe, maybe the supply chain has opened up and his hair dies back in. <laughs> There's something.
9: Oh, my gosh. You think he borrows from Dave Hart?
10: Oh, I don't think Dave Hart's coming off of any of that.
9: I'll tell you this right now. The fact that a guy in Alabama counted... The the amount that Nick Saban smiled this preseason might be the most demented, and I'm talking about demented thing, maybe ever. I I don't know. I mean, is that for real? That can't be for real, right? That can't be, as we say in the trade. Is now joining us who covers the University of Florida for the Gainesville Sun. And the Gannett Florida Network, which makes him a brother in arms of the great John Adams. They're in the same network. Kevin Brockway joining us. Kev, how you doing, brother?
13: Good, good. Great Trony B. How are you?
9: Brother, it's a beautiful day to be alive and well. And, you know, I laugh because of the parts where you and I come from. We're what you call survivors who had the sense to get out. But first things first, how are you guys doing with the storms in the area?
13: Yeah. You know, I arrived in Utah a day early. So, um, but I am, you know, checking out my friends there and so far so good in terms of, uh, everyone being safe. So, uh, obviously a lot of thoughts and prayers It kind of hit that big bend region, which is about, uh, 70 or 80 miles North of Gainesville between, um, you know, Tallahassee and Gainesville. Um, so a lot of, you know, small fishing towns there, things of that nature, uh, really got hit hard. So, you know, thoughts, thoughts to them. And, uh, You know, obviously Florida left early as well. They're actually in Dallas, Texas now, and then they're going to fly from Dallas to Utah tonight.
9: So Florida spent time in Dallas preparing for the game?
13: Yeah, you know, it was kind of an interesting strategy, but they didn't want to throw off their routine getting into Utah with the altitude for some reason, so they decided to. They did a practice early Tuesday, then flew to Texas. They're going to do a walkthrough in Dallas today. And then they're going to get into uh, Salt Lake City at about 5 o'clock tonight, which is uh, their uh, which was their normal plan, 5 p.m. local time. And, um, you know, from there, uh, get ready for the game.
9: What is it? What is, because the altitude there, we were talking, Tennessee could have been playing this week at BYU if they would have held to their original deal or at least would have played them this year. The, the Virginia game on Tennessee's schedule, what I'm trying to say, uh, was actually going to be the um, uh, a game with BYU. So you might have seen those two teams, which is kind of ironic, out of the SEC opening up in the state of Utah, which I'm sure would have been the answer to an all-time trivia question in college football. But what is the altitude, and how do they think that's going to come into play uh, there? How much of a factor is it?
13: You know, it's 4,000 feet, so it's not quite Denver. Denver's five. You know, Denver's a full mile high. Um, I think they say, what, uh, 15% oxygen for every 2,000 feet or so forth, that it impacts uh, your oxygen levels, uh, you know, as it relates to hypoxia and so forth. But, you know, I talked to Shane Matthews about it because, you know, he's a former NFL player who uh, obviously, you know, played some games in Denver, and he talked a lot about uh, the fact that, to really get fully acclimated takes 10 days, so you're not going out there 10 days early. Uh, and you just have to deal with it. You just hydrate, drink a lot of water. I think Florida, you know, hopefully, ha- you know, from from their standpoint, hopefully having a little more depth will help because I think you rotate guys in and out, and, you know, you just cross your fingers that uh, these guys are going to be fresh for four quarters. I mean, it's no different from what Utah had to deal with here with the altitude, um, but I felt that last year Utah actually played a stronger second half than they did a first half. And, you know, if it wasn't for the Cam Rising pick in the end zone, uh, Utah probably could have won that game or at least send it to overtime.
9: There's a report out there today that Cam Rising was approached by Florida uh, to, um, to join this year's club when Florida was in the market for a quarterback. Do you buy that?
13: Possible. I mean, anything is possible. Tim Hartman was another guy that I'd heard. Uh, last year, um, that they really wanted, but obviously he went to Notre Dame. I think there were a few guys out there uh, that they that they targeted, but uh, they ended up with uh, Graham Mertz. And uh, you know, we just got off the teleconference with Billy Napier, and I asked specifically about Mertz and uh, the communication between uh, he and Coach Napier and the offensive staff as far as the game plan and how smooth they expect that to go. And I think they really like Graham from that regard. I think they think Graham is a very intelligent guy, a guy that just soaks up the game plan. Uh, very cerebral quarterback, so they think that that's going to go pretty well. I think the big question with Graham Mertz is the arm strength. I mean, is he going to be able to stretch the field? But he is a he is an accurate thrower, a more accurate thrower than Anthony Richardson. I've seen that in practice, and that may pay dividends to as far as sustaining drive.
9: So that's interesting, right, because you're obviously sacrificing a ton of athleticism going from Anthony Richardson to him. And so my question for you is, Does Graham Mertz have the intangibles with that uh, accuracy of the arm? And do they have enough offense to carry the day?
13: Yeah, you know, I think they have a few more playmakers. Uh, Certainly losing Anthony Richardson is losing a playmaker, but I think Trevor Etienne, you know, Travis Etienne's younger brother, uh, is coming off a really strong freshman year. I'm hearing in camp that he's by far their best offensive player all around. I think you're going to see him catch the ball in the backfield a little more do a little more things. He'll be returning kicks. Um, so he's a guy, obviously, speed-wise. Uh, this true freshman, Eugene Wilson, uh, we're hearing a lot of good things about. Him. We, we've seen, you know, in, in limited you know, portions of fall camp, uh, just his quickness and his ability to break out of routes. Um, he's going to be a guy that's going to play in the slot behind Ricky Pearsall and, and maybe get a chance to return as well. So Andy Gene, another guy, true freshman, in Mizell. They, they've got some – they're, they're starting to get some speed, which is important. I, I think Florida, you know, when Florida's at its best, it's, it's you know, you go back to the Urban Meyer and Swamp Kids, and that was a fast, fast team. And uh, they kind of got away with that, got away from that in, in recruiting a little bit the last decade, and I think Billy Napier's trying to bring that back. So I think there's hope that with, uh, you know, more playmakers around Graham Mertz that, uh you know, they might be able to uh, be more effective on offensive season.
9: Who's the other freshman receiver again that you were talking about uh, besides Andy, uh, besides Wilson?
13: Andy, uh, Andy Gene uh, from Miami Northwestern and Aiden Myzel. And, and Gene is a very good route runner, and he's a guy who uh, I think that uh, he's another guy that will factor into the return game a little bit. Um, and um, I, I think they're really high on all of them. And, and I think that, you know, Billy Gonzalez coming back to coach receivers, I think, helps too. He's a guy that you know obviously comes from that championship era under Meyer, and uh, um, I think he's he's worked really hard in developing these guys and these young guys. But again, they're still young, so they're, they're probably going to make some mistakes along the way. But I think they're really counting on those guys for the future.
9: One of the conversations we've had here as we look forward to tomorrow night's Utah game, we visit today with Kevin Brockway, who's always so kind to us uh, with his time, and he's up uh, in Utah right now preparing for a game that. Vol Nation, there's no question we'll get a huge number uh, throughout Vol Nation because Tennessee wants to see what's in store for them perhaps or at least a, a sample of what's in store when they head there for a pivotal uh, late September game. But one of the things that's intriguing to me, these new clock rules. Now, you've seen up close and personal uh, the, the, this regime uh, there uh, with the new coach for a season you told me back in the spring you know that florida might at the end of the day be forced to play some keep away you know if it it comes to that have they developed enough of an offensive line uh in the preseason as a run-up to the year where they're going to be able to do that if it comes to comes to that in a football game with these new rules
13: yeah, I think that's going to be a, a huge question. I think Utah will be telling because they have nine starters returning on defense, and that's a physical defense, probably the most physical defense in the Pac-12, um, You know, something I wrote about this week. But I, I do think that, uh, you know, I, I think their hope, you know, Micah Mizuka is a guy that's coming off shoulder surgery, um, but he returned early in camp and, uh, you know, performed well enough in camp to earn a starting job. Um, and he's going to be the right guard replacing Osiris Torrance. That's a, a, you know, big shoes to fill the All-American who went in the second round to the Buffalo Bills. But, uh, he's got a little bit of a mean streak to him. And he's, you know, he, he, he had a very high run block grade at Baylor. So I think he's the guy that they're going to probably, you know, run to that side a lot, that right side. And you've got Damien Georgia, the transfer from Alabama. Uh, I think Lindell Hudson, the transfer from FIU will, will come into play as well. Um, uh, a big question, I think, for Florida, too, now, for this game, is the center position. I mean, King agak is their two-year starter, is questionable, um, and um, it's looking more and more doubtful, actually, in, in my mind, that he's going to play, and they're going to have to go with a, a redshirt sophomore, Jake Slaughter, making his first start, so uh, that uh, that will be interesting, but I think they feel like when the when the offensive line is fully healthy, Austin Barber's a guy that's got a lot of promise. He was a freshman All-American. He's going to be the left tackle, and protect Graham Merch's blind side that they think that this offensive line is going to be good enough to run and sustain the clock and, and do some things.
9: And that's really kind of what they want to do, right? I mean, that's how he wants to play. It's how he played uh, even under the old rules, uh, speaking of Billy Napier. I mean, it's sort of I'm, – I'm not going to say it's his philosophy because he seems to be a guy that will play hands dealt him. But at the same time, he's – probably a little more old school than a lot of these newfangled guys with with in terms of controlling the football
13: yeah by far he talks a lot about playing complementary football and uh but he does believe in the quick strike on play action so he kind of believes in establishing the run and then you know sneaking in explosive play here and there that's how he played at louisiana um and and complementary football and by that but in order to play complimentary football, they have to get, have a defense to get off the field on third down. It was a huge issue last year. I think they're very optimistic about Austin Armstrong, you know, based on what they saw in the spring game and what he can bring in that regard and, and what this defense maybe with some new transfers can bring and, you know, special teams too. Uh, special teams has to be better also. So, I mean, he wants all three phases firing, uh, basically, uh, for this program to, uh, kind of regain, uh, you know, it, it's footing after back and back six or seven
9: seasons. Kevin, what's the latest? and You talk to people. I know you poke around. What's the latest on Cam Rising?
13: Yeah, you know, um, basically, uh, you know, it's still questionable. And I think the the big deal with Cam too is if he does play, uh, how effective is going to be? I, I mean, I think that's that's the other you know component that. You know, you, you got a wonder coming off an ACL. I remember two years ago covering Indiana, Michael Pennick, uh, coming off an ACL. They tried to bring him back quickly and, um, threw three interceptions, two pick sixes in that game. So you can say that, you know, Cam Rising is going to gut it out, but if he does try to gut it out, is he going to be the same Cam Rising? And, and is he, is he going to trust it? Is it going to affect his throwing at all? His ability to scramble out of the pocket? I think those are all big questions, but, um, Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson are two guys, uh, behind him, uh, that could play, certainly. And, and Nate Johnson brings a different element. And I think, you know, Billy Dapier saying that they're preparing for all three. So, uh, we will, uh, yeah, most of the defensive players are. So. We'll, We'll see if, if they do go with someone different, if that throws Florida off or not, if um, they're saying the right things now, but it'll be interesting to see on the field on Thursday if that's the case.
9: Are those guys running quarterbacks, throwing quarterbacks behind him, or we just don't know and won't know till we see it?
13: Nate Johnson is more of the scrambler. He's the more athletic guy. He's from Clovis, California, a former four-star recruit. Uh, as a true freshman last year, they're rushing and throwing touchdown. Uh, Barnes is more of a, a, a pocket guy, so uh, – I think that um, they could throw a lot of different mixes in there. I mean, you, have, you know, maybe they could alternate, you know, all three at certain points, uh, depending on uh, how things go in the game. I think there is some thought about uh, saving rising for the Pac-12 season when the conference games, when it matters, and maybe we'll see a different quarterback, but uh, – I think Cam Rising, too, there's probably a competitive streak in him and losing that game last year the way, you know, Utah did and him throwing the interception, that, that he's really going to want to play and he's going to force the issue. And, you know, he is a veteran quarterback, and if push comes to shove with that, I think Kyle Whittingham will give him that opportunity.
9: Kevin Brockway appearing on the TLD Logistics Hotline, online at tldlogistics.com, Florida tomorrow night, opening with Utah. It's going to be a really, really interesting football game for so many reasons. Florida with some unanswered questions. Who's Utah going to have a quarterback last year? And just to go, it just goes to show you how you look at some of this early season stuff, and you want to make judgments. Last year, LSU lost a game to Florida State and took off. Last year, um, uh, Florida won a game with Utah. Uh, Utah lost the game. They took off. Florida kind of had a season to forget. Which just goes to show you, Kev, that we follow this stuff. You know, we try to live in the moment. And then you try to always look at what's this mean for the big picture. But these week one games are really week one games. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what they are.
13: Yeah, no question. And I think there's a lot you can learn about your team uh, from week one. Um, And I (laughs) I think what we learned last year from Florida's perspective in the Utah game is that Anthony Richardson was an inconsistent quarterback, right? He was you know, lights out in that week one game, rushing for three touchdowns, making big plays down the field. And then, you know, the following week against Kentucky laid a complete egg. So, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, where uh, you are in, in these scenarios. Um, you know, I, I don't think a loss would be the worst thing for, you know, Florida, if, if they were competitive though, I, I think you have to be competitive and, and you have to, give Utah, you know, a strong game, um, and, and not, you know, be completely blown out or demoralized. But I think if, if you play a close tight game and you lose and you learn some things about your team and you're battle tested, you know, maybe that plays well coming back to the swamp, you know, facing Tennessee in a few weeks, you know, maybe you learn a little bit more about your team and you have that uh, edge and that toughness about you and that sense of urgency going into that game that you wouldn't have if, if you won. So, uh, I, I think that there, there are two sides to this, but I, you know, I do think coming up the blowout bowl loss to in Las Vegas, if you have another blow blowout lows, uh, you know blowout loss here out here West against Utah, then uh, you know in the words of uh, Ron Zuck, there'll be a, a lot of noise in the system uh, with uh, with Florida fans uh, you know uh, towards Billy Napier uh, going into the home opener against McNe- McNeese State.
9: Hey Kev, uh, tomorrow night and. and- the whole noise in the system thing, you know, we all sort of function off of it, so whatever what there's always gonna be noise around these deals, but yeah, go out there and get blown out by a third team quarterback and, and get back to me. I mean, you talk about a hot seat that that guy probably won't be able to won't even need the jet to fly home. he'll have some rocket fuel up his rear end uh when he walks <laughs> off the field that night, but your biggest question mark that you want to see tomorrow? Is it that center position with the redshirt freshman in there? Or is it that defense that at times last year was porous and and looked almost uncoached at times?
13: Yeah, I think that's the huge thing. I think the defense is the huge thing. And for Florida to take a step forward, the defense is going to have to be much, much better. Because I just don't see Graham Mertz as a guy that's going to be putting up 30 points a game. I think they're going to have to win a lot of games. 27-20, Twenty-seven, twenty, those kind of games. Uh, in order to win games in the SEC, and 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 for them to do that, the defense is going to have to be uh, lights out. And uh, well, I wouldn't say lights out, but they're going to have to be better. And I think that there is a thought that they will be under Austin Armstrong. Players seem to really like him. They seem to gravitate towards him. His schemes, from what we saw in the spring game, seem to be effective in terms of getting to the quarterback. He's going to bring more heat. Uh, the defensive backs are going to play closer to the line. They're going to be able to play a little more bump and run and a little more, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, Jordan Castell, a true freshman, was named the starter at safety, which is really interesting because one thing that Florida la- really lacked in the back end of that defense was speed. I mean, you saw it in the combine. Uh, Trey Dean and Rashad Torrance ran 4-7-40. Um, and this kid is fast, and he can cover the whole field, and that's why he won the job. And, that's an area that Billy Napier been in camp that they're concerned about, but they feel like Costello is a guy that can cover a lot of ground back there, and they think that that's going to be really helpful for the defense. But, again, he's a freshman. I mean, he's going to maybe have some ups and downs, but athletically he brings a much bigger upside at safety than they've had.
9: Kudos. To a lot of coaches would never put a true freshman out there. Uh, they would go with the sure thing which is sort of what Tennessee's doing in their secondary and hoping they can grow some young guys. So uh, in a way, I kind of tip my cap in this day and age because most coaches don't do that. Most coaches wouldn't gamble uh, with a safety, with a with a true freshman back there at safety.
13: Well, I think, too, you know, I think it speaks to where Florida is, too. You know, they might not have, you know, hey, look, you he won the job. They might not have a better option. They brought in R.J. Mote from Michigan. A transfer who I thought they thought they were very high on, um, and I think he'll play, and I think he'll add some a veteran presence like there. But you know, Michigan guy plays in the Big Ten, um, probably just doesn't see or have this level of speed that you have here in the SEC. And uh, Castell is the guy that you know beat him out, and basically is going to be he's going to be the guy back there, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting. But you know, Billy Napier started Shamar James last year as a true freshman at linebacker. And that paid dividends i think if you're ready you're ready and i think that you know a lot of these kids a lot better coached in high school now than they were 10 or 20 years ago and some of these guys can step in and compete and do a good job right away you know particularly if you're a program like florida and you're rebuilding uh you need those guys
9: hey kev anything else you want to add on the way out and if folks want to read your work tell them how they do so my friend and i I really appreciate you taking some time on the tld logistics hotline for us today
13: yeah, no, gatorsports.com, uh, uh, at Twitter, uh, Kevin Brockway, G1. And, you know, I think this is fascinating for Graham Mertz, too. I mean, I think this is a guy who, uh, was, it didn't end well for him at Wisconsin, even though he was 19 and 13 as a starter there. Uh, but, you know, couldn't lead him to a big West, even like a, you know, a, you know, a Big Ten West division championship, uh, let alone a Big Ten championship. So he gets a fresh start. Let's see what kind of, a... Uh, Oh, you know, what he can do with it here at Florida and can he be you know, this is a third different starting quarterback in three seasons at Florida, can he be a guy that uh turns this offense around a little bit?
9: What was his record again at uh at Wisconsin? Nineteen to
13: thirteen. Whoa. I mean, and you know, I, I think the other thing too is, you know, he he was a shotgun guy in Kansas in high school mm-hmm. and now he's going back to that shotgun pistol, you know, formation under, you know, Billy Napier when he was running more under Schenner and you know, was in the, put in a lot of third and long situations, certainly at Wisconsin. So it'll be interesting to see if that, you know, kind of new lease on life, you know, working on the shotgun will uh, will help
9: him. Really, going to be interesting. Going to be a compelling season uh, across the country uh, this year and in this league, man. I mean, you know, you talk about uh, Mertz, but really the quarterback play in this league, Kevin. Our lifetime, you and I have been around here about the same time. I don't remember a year where it's this pedestrian on paper coming into the seat or this many question marks anyway.
13: Yeah, I think there's some news that, you know, Gene Daniels at LSU showed us something last year. I think he's a guy who, uh, you know, certainly, but, you know, obviously Alabama is breaking in a new quarterback, right? Florida's breaking in a new quarterback. Uh, Tennessee with Joe Milton is a guy who's obviously got a, a high upside. Reminds me a lot of Anthony Richardson in terms of his athleticism and his arm strength, but, you know, can he put it together for 12 straight games I and mean, yet, yeah, consistency issues at, you know, Michigan. So I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting season, uh, for the, uh, for the signal callers in, in the league. And, uh, I know Chris Doring is really high in Devin Leary, Kentucky. So, uh, we'll see what he can do.
9: Kev, much love to you. Enjoy your time at Utah. And you have a, a great one, my friend. Have a Doc Gooden, as we used to say back in Long Island.
13: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's great to catch up with you
9: again, Tony. See you, brother. Kevin Brockway, one more time, on your TLD Logistics outline online, tldlogistics.com. On the other side, I want you to respond to what he just said about tomorrow night's game with Florida, Florida-Utah. And I want Sean to tell me what his thoughts were after hearing that download. And I went as in-depth as I possibly could on the Florida Gators because the truth is Tennessee's season opener Saturday is a celebration of that we're all back. It gets real, it gets faux real, and you play. To quote Bon Jovi, "You play for keeps when you go to Gainesville because you might not make it back." I've been everywhere, and still I'm standing tall. Josh will seen a million faces, and he's rocked them all. As we continue with more after this. Uh, by the way, hour two on the radio. How, un, how um, just utterly uncivilized of me to not do the legal first, but hour two commences after this.
5: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia.
11: And now, the best man! Uh, I was gonna plan this speech out while I got my oil change, but I went to Take 5, and it was a lot faster than I thought, so here
14: it goes. Okay. Tim, you were my first friend. Angela, you were my first. (laughs) Yeah, I never thought the two of you would make it, but
11: I guess love really is blind. No, 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 I mean in a good way!
7: At Take 5, your oil changes faster than you think. Take 5, the stay-in-your-car 10-minute oil change.
15: This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
9: TB back with you. 865-200-5402. You know, you have these guests on, and they make you feel, sometimes they lull you to sleep and make you feel, oh, well, that team really sucks, or they make you a little afraid or whatever the word. To I me, mean, tomorrow we're going to see Utah play. And 865-200-5402 if you want to join us. But let's park here on this Florida deal for a second. Sean Sinclair, S-E-A-N, Sinclair DDS, beautiful Maryville, who, by the way, will be with us Crafty Bastard Friday night from 7 to 10 downtown outside. If you're looking for a little something-something to do before the game, we'll be down there playing some music, and Sean will be hanging out with us. Um what did you make of the conversation we had with Kevin Brockway a moment
10: ago, the Gainesville sun? Well, you and I were talking uh, a week or two ago and I went back and and there was the one time I really thought Graham Murch was going to be a player. I I think he's a, I think he's a, he had a nice arm in high school. He started off. Well, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, Change of scenery might make him a uh, serviceable quarterback. Again, I don't know what happened in the past couple of years, but, um, yeah At one time, he was a player. So, so in we'll high school,
9: you're you're telling me as somebody that follows the recruiting game, he was a somebody on the recruiting trail.
10: Well, I think he was. If I'm not mistaken, he was uh, the MVP of the U.S. Army All American Game in high school. What? Someone could someone could check that out, but I think that's right. And it, you know, he goes there. He he came in as a freshman, played okay. And, again, I don't know, but a couple things about Florida. Well, they're always going to have athletes. They they will always have cornerbacks. They will always have running backs. They will always have receivers. You can just book that. They're going to have that. But one thing that really particularly caught my attention was mm-hmm. I would not want to be a defense with a true freshman safety and young guys in the secondary having to decipher Josh Heupel's uh, route trees and Uh, choices of patterns that 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 would scare the hell out of me if i was a defensive coordinator
9: you know that is well put brian what uh what did you glean from our conversation with kevin brockway because kevin was talking about the fact that they're going to have a true freshman uh back there at safety a true against us which i kind of applaud in a sense but kevin said well i mean you can applaud that but they brought a guy in kind of like tennessee with this um carry guy from uh, Texas. You know, you, you get transfers, and you think what they're how they're going to project. But then you put them on a field, and you're like, oh, that's not who we saw, or whatever it is, or this system doesn't agree, or whatever, or this change of scenery. I mean, it's a weird deal. The transfer portal is um, it's it's truly a box of cracker jacks. Brian, from your perspective, what did you glean from the conversation with Kevin Brockway? And then we'll go back to the phones. And if you want to get in, 865 200 5402.
11: Well, that he, that Florida looks like they're not very fast. And except for they have one playmaker on offense, and yeah. that's Trevor Etienne. But, so. But the
9: one thing I'm going to have. Yeah.
11: Go ahead. They're going to have trouble. They're going to have trouble scoring a whole hell of a lot of points. So, you know, lots of luck to them. Well,
9: that's right. And their offense, their offensive line, better be able to really block. It's ironic that they come into the season kind of like Tennessee with a question mark at center. Probably they're able to overcome it a little more than we are since we are so tempo dependent. And my understanding and practice is, and I'm not you know, getting on Ollie Lane, but he's been thrown into something here, uh, is that it's very difficult to go the tempo Tennessee wants to go, particularly with a guy that hasn't played that spot. I mean, that's, that's asking an awful lot. And it's been very fast in practice. Uh, and, you know, look, if it's too, I'm not going to say too fast, but if it's getting there in practice, what's it going to look like in a game? Bears watching. Bears watching against Virginia. Hope springs eternal. Um, The one thing Sean said that's kind of interesting, which I was thinking about him talking about, got a true freshman out of Miami, got a true freshman out of the land, got a true freshman. Sean, those receiver types down there, it's like they mint those people, those skill position players. And against us, a constant is there's a hero born every day against us. I'll never forget that game that Butch Jones fritted away down there six seven years ago when the two guys just came out of nowhere and caught balls late on us.
10: It has always been the best speed in the country, the state of Florida high school, and I cannot. I mean, I know Georgia produces some, but Florida they they have the patent on speedy athletes, uh, and I can't see how that's going to change anytime soon.
9: So we go back to our phones. And by the way, prayers up for that entire state and that swath there uh, getting hit by the storm today. Scary stuff. 865-200-5402. We'll go to our phone lines if you want to get in. The questions today are 1 to 5, how excited are you for the start of the season? Uh, I don't know that I've been this excited for a college football season in a long time. And I think part of... My excitement is the fact that the Vols are back. Now, they're not all the way back in terms of being like up there with Ohio State and these guys. But they're back. They matter. They're relevant. They're televisable. Not only are they televisable, when they're on, they're going to be the game that a lot of casual fans are going to key on and want to watch. They're an it team. It's fun being an it team. I hope they can back it up this year and play to that offensively because the it team thing will translate and will make you more and more successful if you can stay hot. It will help you on the recruiting trail. There's just no doubt. There's a lot of kids last year that watched that Tennessee-Alabama game that became Tennessee fans. You can bet your bottom dollar that happened. I had young Andy Kofor in here the other day. There's an iconic photo of him on my wall in the, uh, adjacent to the Raymier Studio, our adjacency. And the truth is that that Alabama game in the aftermath was one of the great moments of not only last season but of college football uh, in general in years. One of the great scenes ever. So don't don't sell yourself short. Living Vol fan. Let's go back to the phones, and we'll get our next call in. Hello and welcome. You're live on the air. I've
16: been damn Tony B. It's been a long time, but I, I had to call on this show
9: it's, today. Hey, it's been a long time. Been a long, been a long, lonely, 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 lonely,
16: lonely time.
9: How you doing, brother?
16: Tell us how y'all doing, man. What's Literally.
9: up, Florida? Hey, Florida, Hey, how's your health, man?
16: Man, I'm coming along, Tony B. I, you know what I mean? Still got a little incontinence in, in the the little things of that, that uh, you know, ain't been all the way back yet, but I'm, you oh, know, God, it's gonna take a while.
9: God bless you, brother. God bless you.
16: Thank you, man. I appreciate y'all. But listen, man, why do you think? I mean, he come on here and he's from he's from Florida. He see he sees a little bit. I don't think they let him the in like Josh Hopper not letting the media in up here. And I just want y'all to know that's why they play the game. You know what I mean? Freshmen, you talking about freshmen. You talking about red shirt freshman? You talking about that? If you are an athlete, you're an athlete. I don't give a damn if you if –
9: you if, Yeah, but Sean's got a great point. You look at Tennessee's route trees. Hey, listen, Tennessee took a veteran team last year with Alabama and twisted them inside and out. And, and one of those guys that they twisted inside out went in the first round of the NFL draft or went high in the draft anyway. So, you know, if you can do that there – Imagine what Josh Heupel will be able to do to a true freshman. He'll have that guy doing pirouettes after the snaps. Florida, come on, man!
16: Well, well, well that's what you think, Tony B, and that's that's what everybody thinks. But until they start playing the game, until they get out there, and that, that's that's You're going to have to show me. You have to show me. I'm from I'm not from yeah. Missouri, but that's to show me, say so you have to show me. Well, so, let me ask you, know, you
9: this: He compared Joe Milton, Kevin did, uh, to Anthony Richardson. Florida is a guy that watched Anthony Richardson. What do you make of that comparison? And then, Sean, I want to get your thoughts on that as well.
16: Anthony Richardson's slaw, man. He was slaw. He let us down. He should have stayed another year and, and, and played, Tony. You know it, and I know it. But let me tell you something about Joe Milton. If Joe Milton, if Joe Milton don't get his – if he come out like he did the first year before uh, Hendon Hooker started, y'all going to be in trouble. If he come out overthrowing them 85-yard bombs that ain't hitting nobody, he going to be in trouble. So guess what? That's why Tennessee gonna have a little easy game with Virginia. Like you know, it's like they playing Austin East or somebody, and that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But like I said, that's why we play the game. So I'm I'm excited. I'm on a five because I'm ready for football. See, I'm tired of sitting around watching little league baseball. The world.
9: Series. Amen I'm, to right? that. Amen so
16: to freaking that. hey, I, that's what I want to do. I want to be. I'm ready for it. And guess what? If we lose tomorrow, get, if we lose tomorrow, guess what? DJ Legway'll be in here real soon. He'll be in here real soon. Next year we'll be waiting on DJ Legway, and we'll we'll do all the others talking and let these freshmen grow up a little bit. We're gonna do all that. But if so next year up here it'll be run, Nico
9: y'all. and Legway. True, two freshmen, one a red shirt, one a true, walking out there, going mano a mano in Nealon Stadium. Can you see it right now? Can you picture I can it? I
16: see it right now. And I'm gonna be right down there with you this time for sure. I'm gonna be down there with you this time for sure. I'm going into Neeland Stadium and watch that one myself.
9: Hey uh, Cinco, the comparison between Anthony Richardson and Joe Milton—compare and contrast those two, if you will, for me, please, from your perspective.
10: Uh, Anthony Richardson is one of the most physically talented quarterbacks I've ever seen. Um, he's up and down. I, I agree. It would have been nice to see. Him with a development year. I'm not sure he's going to be developed all that much more in one year. So he probably, in my opinion, made the right decision. But uh, no, I, I don't. I don't see a whole lot of. I don't see a whole lot of comparison between the two.
9: Do you Florida? Do you see a lot of comparison in their games? Because I don't. I, I I look at Richardson like just a really dynamic, kind of like a wild card almost type player. Like he was either really good. Or he was really going to hurt you. And I think Milton's more of a of a conventional quarterback compared to Anthony Richardson.
16: Anthony Richardson is uh, going to be with just a, just a flat-out athlete, bro.
9: Oh, my God, like a wild man. I mean, he was unbelievable, he have- some of the things he could do. Unbelievable.
16: He have- yeah, he don't have the wheels that Anthony Richardson had, man. I- I- I'm just telling you, Anthony Richardson, he just said another year. Thank you, Jaden. I'm at Best Buy, 20 B, getting my computer ready for my my, my podcast. But good for you, you good for you. And yeah, what is your podcast called? The Gator, the the Gator on the Tennessee River. Gator
9: on the Tennessee River. Okay, well, you let us know when it comes out, and we'll uh, I'll put it I'll put a link on the blog for you.
16: All right, man. But listen, he's a, he's an athlete. Joe Milton's going to be if he come out here and do what he did before. Well, y'all in trouble. Y'all going to have to show Nico before before y'all won't really want to. You have to show him, because if he going down there against Virginia and and not produce, y'all gonna put Nico in there. I can, I can, you can rest assured,
9: man. You know, I'm trying to be deferential and nice to you, and you're trying to be a clown toward me. You know, uh, tomorrow night, let me tell you this: if you guys lose to a third, not a second, a third team quarterback, in your words, y'all are straight slaw, man, straight slaw at that point. No doubt about it. Tony B., but listen. Who, who, well, I mean, you is like some third-rate slaw. You're like, listen, I used to work at Dairy Queen. Y'all are like some slaw from Dairy Queen at that point, because that was some straight-up third-rate slaw if you ever had it.
16: But, Tony B., we're not projected to be anything, though. We're not projected to be where y'all are. Hey, Y'all Brian, you 10, agree with just that?
9: Just Brian, if they lose to a third-team quarterback tomorrow night with Utah, I mean, that would be
11: – you talk about Daryl well, Queens third? What if it's a third-string quarterback that goes out there and balls and looks better than a third-string quarterback? And they're on the road, too.
16: You just confused
9: me. In them. high altitude. Brian just confused me. He's giving you excuses.
16: <laughs> no, nah, I'm just saying, Tony B., he's not – Brian is a smart guy. I'm I'm not saying that I'm just saying you know, you, you, you just this is just a gimme game for y'all. You know they just
9: can't, No can't, doubt about it. Virginia's a gimme game. Well oh, guess what? Yep. If we
16: go out here if we go out here and do we hell we were six and four last year, eh? Six and
9: twelve. How can Eight. Florida get there where the fans, people like you and Kevin's saying, Well, you know, if they lose, man, you know, they come back and maybe it gives them more zip for Tennessee. How do you get there? What happened to Tony the Florida B. Gators? What happened to your zip, man? Your zing? Hey, Matt, you still got the zing and you still got the You can't zip. be sitting there on your podcast spewing that stuff. You'll sound
16: like Tony me. B. You still got the zing and you still got the zip, but you just ain't got the whip. You got to have a whip to cruise down the road, Tony B. That's you what Matt Dixon was
9: accusing me of yesterday. He said, you're on here talking like, you know, we can't do this and we can't do that and we can't. But I'll give Florida credit, Brian. Florida's not on here like a couple of years ago. Florida knows what's going to happen when when the Vols go to Gainesville. You can tell that.
16: No, I, I, when we when you come to Gainesville, it's hard to beat the SEC team. These oh, teams, stop! You've been playing each other great.
9: Oh, stop! They play each other great.
16: They do. When have you seen a blowout from these teams?
9: No, you're right. In this league, the difference is people say, "Well." A guy, my friends ask me that live outside the area. They go, why Why is the SEC so tough? And I say, the SEC's tough because of the bottom of it. It's not the top of it. The top, the teams are incredible, obviously. But the middle bottom, that middle, those middle bottom teams are physical, possessing a bunch of, every team's got some NFL players on it. And in the ACC, that ain't the case. In the Big 12, that ain't the case. In West Coast football, that's not the case. And in the Big 10, really. That's not the case. This league here, the middle-bottom teams are very good. Now, they get beat up playing in this league, but if they played in other leagues, the middle-bottom teams would do work in other leagues. I would. It would be interesting to see, like, take an Ole Miss and a Mississippi State guys over the last 15 years and put them in the ACC and let them play, um, I don't know, Clemson schedule and see, Brian, what it would look like. I promise you. Each year, it'd be two or three games
11: different. I promise you that. Yeah, they would be a favorite against most teams, except for maybe Clemson and in Florida State or teams at the right top of the right league. Right
9: to very top,
11: but everybody else, they would. That's exactly right. So, while, whereas
9: in this league, through through an eight game schedule, you, if you're them, would put up like a three and five record. There, you'd probably go six and two, and I'm not being you know, facetious or funny or anything when I say that. That's the reality, though, when you play in this league, even like Florida last year. Florida got beat up as the year went on and got demoralized and then got blown out in a bowl game. You're the man, Florida.
16: Thank you, man. I appreciate y'all guys, man. I love you, man.
9: God bless you, brother. Yeah, I'm glad you're back on the the mend. 865-200-5402. If you want to join us. Nick Saban apparently just smiled again. You know, we were talking about that before Kevin Brockaway. Those of you that haven't seen that, there's a guy in Alabama that counted Nick Saban's smiles. I mean, what in the world? Brian, is that a bit or was that dude serious? What do you think? You've had a chance to think about it. A bit or serious?
11: Uh, giving giving someone he's in Alabama, I'd say that's probably a serious thing he's doing. Good night almighty.
9: Have you guys seen, by the way, one other thing I want to throw into the conversation here. What's the greatest sports spectacle you were ever a part of at 865-200-5402? And the reason I ask that is that Nebraska is having a volleyball game on their campus today. Now, Sean, used to live in Nebraska, I think. I don't know if volleyball's always been a thing or if they just have a like a Tony Vitello type volleyball coach there. But they are expecting 90,000 people today at a volleyball game uh, in their stadium, in Memorial Stadium. The Barcelona world record is 91,648 for a women's sporting event. And Nebraska is saying they're going to beat that record today uh, when they... They've sold over ninety thousand tickets for their volleyball day and they're going to play something called Nebraska Omaha and then something called Nebraska Kearney. so Cinco were those people in into, into volleyball when you were there or is this like a thing that's just happened when they're as their football team has slid what's going on
10: I can't speak to um I can't speak much at all to to uh, volleyball uh, but there's some rabid fans. They're hungry for something, uh, but i I would be highly surprised if they get ninety thousand people into the stadium. You, be, you better sure hope there's no wind going on there. That's gonna throw that game all to heck.
9: Well, ain't that ain't that the truth? What's your favorite Sean sports spectacle? If you guys have, I want you to think about that. Just your favorite thing that you've seen, and Sean's Sean's seen a lot of stuff for the Tennessee days. And college football is such a spectacle anyway but what what comes to mind where you just were in a crowd and you were like this is this is surreal this number of people for this um, I've often often wondered what it would be like to go to one of those uh, what do they call those things Brian with the that the NHL does when they play in the um, they play in those outdoor stadiums like um,
11: Oh, the mid-winter classic or
9: something? Yeah, those things. Like when you like go to Fenway Park or whatever and play a uh, play a hockey game, I would imagine that's pretty cool. Now, I don't like the cold, uh, so that wouldn't be all that great to me, but to somebody who could put up with the cold, has these polar bear tendencies, hey, more power to you. 865-200-5402 if you want to get in the hunt and in the mix with us today. Or if you want to uh, speak from the magic of uh, Twitter spaces, have at it. We're going to come back. It is uh, a Wednesday edition. A Wednesday. Race fans, race fans. As we continue with more on the other side right after this.
5: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia
14: Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Come see us Saturday, September 9th, and let your first cookout be on us. With the purchase of any grill, you will receive an Omaha Steaks voucher for 12 steak burgers and 12 beef franks free. We also will have hamburgers for the first 100 customers between 11 and 2 until we run out. Come see us Saturday, September 9th at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. This is the
11: place with the helpful hardware phone.
6: The fair is back. Murray County Fair returns August 31st to September 4th. Rodeo air, jump and run competitions, and motocross. Check out live exotic animals and science shows in the free Kids Zone. And enjoy all the carnival rides, games, and food you know and love. Livestock shows, exhibitor competitions, the rodeo, and so much more. Don't miss the Murray County Fair, August 31st to September 4th. On Facebook and Instagram at Murray County Fair and Exposition and online at murraycountyfair.com.
8: You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other. At a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR playoffs weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. Jim Ross, and you are listening
3: to Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, located in Columbia, Tennessee.
9: So we welcome you back on a Wednesday. Most interesting thing, when I was a young talk show host, I didn't understand the way the seasons worked. And so you do a show and you take things personally, okay? And and I'm talking to those of you that are in the business to listen to the show because this is a show of record and a lot of the kids that listen that want to get into this, really interesting aspect, and Sean will tell you this, and Brian will tell you this, we've been doing this for years, really interesting aspect of what we're doing. The closer you get to the season, the more the calls kind of slow down. And if you stop and think about it, for, unless you've got a flashpoint controversy going on, Something to that effect. If you stop and think about it for a second, it makes sense. Here's why. It's all been said. When you, have a, <clears throat> when you have a settled quarterback situation, like Tennessee does, and you don't have a ton of positions up for grabs, and you've got harmony on your coaching staff, it's sort of all been said. Now, I'm not supposed to say that out loud, because we get on here and just sort of celebrate each other, but it's been kind of a slow call day. So in our remaining time together, if you want to jump in, eight six five two hundred five four zero two. Again, eight six five two hundred five four zero two. That's um that's kind of the nature of where we are uh right now. And it is um It's a a rather slow day. So if you want to jump in, do that. Also, special shout out today to one of our listeners, uh, Joe Clevenger. Joseph was recently uh, in a uh, terrible car accident. And um, Joseph, I want you to know that I prayed for you this morning and we stand with you. And please let us know if there's anything we can do for you further. But I wanted to let you know that Somebody out there had your back. In the meantime, let's go to the phones, and we'll get our next call in. Hello and welcome. You are live on the Tony Basilio Show. Hi.
12: Hey, Tony. Who's your ball run? Uh, Yo,
9: I what's up, your, my man?
12: Not too much, dude. I, I heard your call about the most, was it the most unique sporting thing you've ever Yeah, done like just a
9: spectacle know? you were in. You were like, wow, this is this is really unique. Yeah, this is different, because that's what that's going to be.
12: Well, I uh, didn't realize it when I was in it as a kid till I left the state of Indiana, but uh, the largest high school gym in the world is in a small town called Newcastle, Indiana. Uh, one of the high schools I went to uh, when I played basketball, I was on the JV. I was younger, and I was, I was kind of just an on-the-team guy, but my high school played there. I played in the JV game for the varsity game. There was nine or 10,000 people in a high school basketball what? game. What? Yeah. It's, it seats a, it's much bigger than Cameron Indoor Stadium. And it's, it's kind of like Friday Night Lights in West Texas in that movie, only it's a Rust Belt factory town, these little Rust Belt factory towns throughout the state of Indiana. It ain't nothing to have 7,500 people at a high school game. And that, that is, when you move away from it, it's hard to explain to people.
9: <laughs> ryan is that like an even till this day kind of thing or is that till up about up till about 20 years ago kind of thing
12: well i would i haven't been back in a long time but i mean yeah that was i think it's it's their form of entertainment in some of these rural areas when there's not a lot going on but uh, the other thing that came to mind when you said it uh, i don't know if you're aware of this damon bailey his final high school game was played in what they called at the time the Hoosier Dome, which became the R C A dome which then got torn down. Yeah. I think they had seventy some odd thousand people there to watch a high school basketball. What? Game. And and that is a record that will never be broken. Now, uh, I, uh, no, I know I was I was like two years old when that happened, but that's something that if you're a fan of Indiana sports, particularly basketball, every Hoosier is aware of that. I looked it up out of morbid curiosity. Yeah. The gate there was substantially higher than the Final Four, which was played. I can't remember, but it was UNLV won the national championship that game. The gate was like twenty thousand people bigger than the national championship gate. <laughs> so those would be my two of just bizarre. That's really cool. That. That's, That's cool. To explain to people, it's like they're like, why would any? Why would eighty thousand people watch a high school kid play basketball for any reason? I don't care if it's LeBron James a high school kid but you know 70 some odd thousand people did Uh, well Mm -hmm. here's the thing right
9: so and when things get hot they get hot like apparently i was talking to a friend of mine last night apparently um nebraska's got this really great volleyball coach and they're really Uh good and they've decided it's important to them so whatever
12: yeah
9: i was telling a family member uh, a couple years ago yeah we had a a listener watch party for college baseball for the and they went what And I said, yeah, and about 250 people. What? I said, oh, yeah, the games are sold out. What? Like, none of that makes any sense. I guess it just depends. When a fan base decides that something's important to them, it's important to them.
12: That's it. That's right, and That's that's definitely true where I grew up of high school basketball. That would be hard to explain to people, and it's like, it's just a cultural thing, but... Cool topic. I'd be interested to hear what other people have to say.
9: Thank you, Rye. I, I, I was talking one day, Al Brown, the great Al Brown who hails from Indiana, was uh, talking with Bill back at the Wings Express days when Bill had it, and they're both from Indiana, and they were going back and forth. And they were you know two OGs from the 60s. Both went to school in that era. And they were talking about how those high school players, Sean, were all-time heroes to those guys, even to this day. They were talking about these people. Al Brown's been all over the world with basketball, and you could see the reverence, the reverential, just that level of respect he had for those high school kids that he saw. Oh, you should have seen him, Tony. You should have seen him, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, pretty cool how much that means there. Pretty cool.
10: Absolutely. And when you had a, a when a lot of those kids went to Indiana and were good. Uh, but the Bob Knight, I mean that that cross border thing with Kentucky was huge because oh. both those states, um, I think Kentucky's the same way with their yep. you know in state guys. If you're if you're great and you play in state for the school, uh, it's much like Tennessee football players say you you can you can just count that the rest of your life is going to be easy street. And by the
9: way, like a lot of other things, I don't even think Kentucky and Indiana play college basketball anymore. So, like a lot of other things that have sort of fallen by they the They haven't outside.
11: since uh, since Indiana hit that shot and rushed the court. Cal won't play them up there.
9: Oh! Cal, Cal is they until afraid to play them. Being a squid, let's go back to the phones. Hello and welcome in.
4: Hey, Totem, Bobby. What's up, my man? Hey, you know, uh, one that Americans really don't get a lot, uh, and it's not like we don't understand it, it's just we don't go to it a lot, is an international soccer game. And I was actually at the second, not the first. Dos Cicero, U.S. beating Mexico in Columbus, Ohio. Oh
9: wow! The great Jim Burns was there for that one.
4: It was incredible. Like, uh, it's very patriotic, right? Like you, you, you feel like you're pulling for your country. And you know, uh, again, a lot of people don't know, but like America's uh, United States, America's greatest rival in international soccer is Mexico. No doubt, and. And you beat them, and, I mean, that place was nutty after we won that game. And those people up there don't sleep on Ohioans. They love them some soccer. Cincinnati. Oh, God, yeah. They
9: fill that place. They love it. No doubt about it. Cinco, have you ever been to one of
10: those World Cup qualifiers? I have not. Be I mean, uh, that'd be fun I would to like go. To go or a USA mexico game I think that would be awesome
9: oh my god yeah was it was there uh was it mostly American fans or was it like half and half
4: uh I'd say 60 40 yeah U S fans because uh, those people mexico find a way a to get
9: into those things those people buy their way into that deal it's very important yeah. to them
4: yeah and and it was very close to an SEC atmosphere it's cool. pitch between the fans and the stands as well like fights uh, that's cool. Drunken craziness. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. There was a lot of swearing in different languages. Oh yeah, uh, it was. That was super, super, super cool. Uh, I I never experienced it, and that was my first international game. Uh, and and for for an aside, I actually saw Christian Pulisic play his first game uh, for the U.S. when he subbed in in the Guatemala game in the same stadium, and there was a buzz going through that stadium when that guy stepped on the field. But I, I mean, he's. He's the greatest American soccer player already. Uh, I just hope he can finish out his career with maybe some kind of gold or silver from around the world.
9: I know, right? And I, Listen, I, I, I appreciate you. Thank you. That's a very interesting there that he says that because mine happened in Nashville when the USA played um, Morocco in some getaway thing. It was a soccer deal, and it was back in 2008, I want to say. That was a long time ago. Anyway, 2006, whatever that was.
11: Speaking of, speaking of Ohio and soccer, a few years ago, I went to a, I guess it was a Premier League team that was traveling in the USA, played at Cincinnati FC. Oh, that's cool. When they still played at Nippert. Yeah. Oh, and wow. Was, yeah, man, was, that little stadium, that's was, cool. Um, yeah, it was Crystal Palace. They played a tour in the summertime. And this was before Cincinnati FC went to the MLS. They That's were still in one of the lower leagues they were in then at the time. And they actually set a record that night for the most, uh, I guess the highest attended soccer game in the state of Ohio at that point. And I don't know if it still is, but I assume they have more seats in Nippert than they did at the Columbus Stadium.
9: That thing I went to, was weird because I think the USA was playing Morocco and it was like one of these friendly deals. But there were a bunch of Moroccan people in there, whoever they were. They had green, green uh, uniforms. So we're sitting there just kind of minding our own business. This dude behind us, Sean, lights off a flare. <laughs> like sparks. Like fl- like a flare like burning your shoulder. Hey, they don't and, care. And Laura's like, "Don't don't engage them. Don't turn around. I'm like... That's bur- going to burn us. What do you mean? Don't engage him? And and, and then and then the you guy know, next to him, up. the guy next to him, lights off a flare.
11: And Brian, what do you think the, the guy next to him did?
9: These guys well, had you know, three I, flares I like behind to, us.
11: If if they did the tailgating thing, you, you'd love to have some from
9: Moroccan cuisine Well, of, of course, but I don't want somebody lighting a freaking flare off behind
10: me. Hey, have you ever watched some of these South American games? They get First of all, within ten minutes, the whole the whole pitch is covered in confetti, yes. or something, yes. I mean, it it literally is affecting the ball as they're dribbling. No doubt about and then, it. And then by the and then by the end of the game, it's nothing for there to be two or three standalone fires Not just a flare, but a, a ongoing and fire. And that's the point. Stand. I'm like, what are we doing in here? Because you yeah. feel like.
9: Oh, because that's that was me. I was like, "Oh, I didn't realize I was gone." No offense, but I didn't realize I was going to a third world sporting event. Let's go back to the phones. But as it turns out, the U.S. was pretty pretty third rate that night. They got beat two to nothing. You can look that up. So you know. Hey, by the way, what did I, what
10: did Plaster? I know I know there was a yeah. there was a wager, yeah. yes, um, about the attendance at Vanderbilt. What did yes. that Plaster say? Plaster actual, and Billy
9: Derrick were both there. Billy Derrick said there was probably about 14,000 there, and Plaster said about 11. And Vandy Joe, if you think you're getting a dinner out of me or a lunch or whatever it is for that, forget wow. it. Your, your 21,000 no figure uh, back in the day would have been great. Well, I'm not even going to say it. Uh, let's go back to the phones and get our next call in. Hello and welcome. Hi, you're on the air. Hello? Yeah, hey, welcome
15: in. Oh, sorry, Tony. Uh <clears throat> I had something special happen and didn't realize that it happened. If you got a minute, I can tell you. Hit it. Uh, 1983, uh, we come down. Somebody gave us tickets for the Knoxville Zoo. And we ended up, after we left the zoo loafing around Knoxville, we ended up at the UT football stadium. And my dad knew absolutely nothing about football or didn't care about football. And so we get down and the gates are open. At the bottom and we can walk out on the field. And so we're just out walking on the field looking around and uh, some guy comes up. And he's like, you know, can I help you? And you know, my dad said, yeah. So we, you know, never been here before. And you know, he told us all about the stadium and you know, how the, where the team comes out of and the traditions and everything. So we, we leave and a few years later, we're watching the, the sugar bowl. Friend of mine offered to come to his house and watch Sugar Bowl, uh, and so we're watching the game, and the guy dad was asking. Me, he said, "Are you know are you a Tennessee fan?" And I said, "Well, I've been to the stadium one time," and I said, "You know, I was telling him about it." And I said, "You know, we had a guy show us around." And I said, "In fact, that's him," and I pointed. And he's like, "Well, that's Johnny Majors."
6: What? Yeah, and
15: I said, uh, "Who's Johnny Majors?" And he said, "He's the head coach." And so we had met Johnny Majors and talked to him. And he showed us around the stadium and had no idea
9: who he was. So you were with your pop. You guys were yeah. kind of, and, and the big stadium was just sort of a curiosity. How old were you? Uh, Twelve. I Twelve think. years old. Sean, if a 12-year-old and their father today snuck on the Nealon Stadium's field and were out there walking around the middle of it, what would happen to them? Uh, you're in cuffs. <laughs> I mean, it, it wouldn't have the same effect 30 years later, but... If your dad would have gotten, like, hammered and sickled to the ground in front of you, I mean, you have to admit, that would have made a pretty good story, too, right?
15: Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, I had to bail him out of jail. You know? Yeah, I, had to bail him I, out. I, I've got a couple more things. That, hit you, it. You, you, would you care if I plug the podcast? I don't care. It's hit it. About, uh, it's a, you, right, last week was Radio Appreciation. Yeah. Week, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. has got a podcast. I love doing, him. He's doing a, a Becoming
9: Earnhardt series about his 1979 season
15: with his dad. Wow. If you Becoming like, Earnhardt. I'm gonna,
9: I'm, I am going to go on right now and subscribe to that. I am absolutely it's a, it's doing free
15: that. That's free on Spotify.
9: I, let me say this about Dale Jr. You know, I kind of missed it when he was driving. His broadcasting and his appreciation of people... And how humble he is! I love that kid. I love oh, that yeah, guy. Yeah. What's it called? Becoming. Say it again.
15: Beco- Becoming Earnhardt. Becoming. And and there's a, right now I'm I, there's seven is it one one uh, episode a week.
9: Yeah. How do you spell it's Earnhardt? Is it E R?
15: E-R? Yeah, E A R N. E
9: A R. Okay.
15: Yeah, and uh, it's if it, they bring back old radio broadcasts from that time. Wow. And the driver's interviews and just how NASCAR worked during that time. I was nine during that season, and it reminds me of riding around in my dad's pickup truck, listening to him and my papa talk about NASCAR racing.
9: And that's what we were talking about.
15: Yeah. How come that's, that's
9: Earnhardt yeah. Outdoors, becoming a yeah, bow hunter,
15: Dale, Dale Jr. down Where is
9: the darn thing?
15: And it's becoming Earnhardt is the series. They do, uh, I mean, he's got a podcast about three times a week, I think. I know.
9: I love his broadcasting stuff. Yeah. I, I love his yeah. uh, when he when he sits with the drivers and chit-chats. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to look yeah. him up, Earnhardt.
15: Yeah. yeah. All right.
9: Thank you, my friend.
15: Yes, sir. Oh, uh, one other thing.
9: Head it. Head it.
15: There's a singer named Ashley McBride, and she has a song that reminds me of you. And the name of the song is uh, Girl Going Nowhere, and I couldn't figure out how to send it to you or I was going to send it to you, but I think you'd really enjoy that song. And I'm not calling you a girl or a female or anything like that. That's just the name of the song, but it's uh, kind of a song about her her journey to where she's at.
9: You're my man, brother. Thank you. Uh,
15: yeah. Hey, and thank you for everything you do, Tony. You
9: uh, no you're idea. the man, brother. I appreciate you yeah, turning right. me on to something here. If I can find a darn thing, thank you. I got Earnhardt Outdoors from Dirty Mo Media, the Cool Jobs podcast featuring David Earnhardt. Am I not spelling Earnhardt right, Brian? How do you spell Earnhardt? I'm sure this is thrilling to people. uh,
11: It's—I think it ends with a D and a T. E A R N
9: H A R D T. R D -D 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 T. Yeah, I think. Okay, on my thing, I've got "In Light of the Cross" by William Earnhardt. I've got Earnhardt Outdoors and the Cool Jobs Podcast. I wonder if I'm being like gaslit in here by that gentleman. Hello and welcome into our next call. You're live on the air.
12: Hey, Tony, Joshie voice under wings. Tony, with the line going down from seven to four and a half, and not far to Utah game. Yep. would you say it's safe to say that Rising is not going to play tomorrow night? I would
9: say I would say that it's safe to say that the sharps do not trust Utah, even with cam rising because one point that sean made last year is that rising ran for around 122 yards in that game and he's not you can't put a guy out there with that that injury nine months later
12: and get beat up
9: think you're going to run around yeah so obviously they're going to have to play with a third team quarterback
15: i think florida is going to win that game outright tomorrow night
9: Cinco, what do you think? Would that surprise you if Florida goes? That's Florida's luck. It's just what they do.
10: What do you think, Sink? Anything's possible, but you, man, even on even down in the SEC does not mean down nationally. It's just re- relative to the to this conference. So I imagine they're going to have more athletes than Utah is going to have, and everything else is going to be okay. Uh, so I'm not. I'm not. Predicting who's going to win, but if they were to go out there and win, no, that would not surprise me.
12: Ain't that the yeah. truth?
10: Ain't that the truth right there?
12: Tony, uh, <clears throat> speaking of Florida, have you watched that documentary about Florida on Netflix? I
9: like, have not. Have you seen it, Joshie Boy?
12: Yeah, it's really good. Okay.
9: I hear but, uh, that they uh, I hear that they whitewashed a bunch of stuff and didn't really get yeah, into the meat did. of the topic quoting conzo uh, Martin back in the day when he made an yeah. omelet
12: they left a lot of stuff out mm-hmm Tony uh, it feels like football weather outside and I'm, so nice I'm really glad yeah
9: oh my gosh yeah
12: I'm ready I'm ready for Saturday to get here and to my point I wanted to bring up Tony right now Tennessee could be playing Saturday at BYU, but they're playing in Nashville, Tennessee.